Oh, fine. Let me get my. Okay, there we go. Three, two, one. Welcome back to Recap, a podcast where we talk about the latest news featured on our social media pages and beyond. We try to find news that matters most to our voters, and we encourage our legislators to not only listen, but to also act on what they hear. I'm your host, Joshua Hyde, and with me today are several members of our podcast team. We have Alexander Crohannon, a data analyst. We've got uh, one of our podcast, I was about to say musicians, one of our podcast people, Anthony Arnold, who's also one of our writers, and we've got Francine Dash herself, boss lady of PointCast. I'm, I'm going to introduce you like that every single time because I just love doing that, by the way. <laughs> and how you guys doing today? It's a good day. Doing it's well. It's a day. Oh, well. It's it a is. day. Yeah. Definitely a day. Anytime we come together, it's a good day. Absolutely. Yeah. I will have enough energy for all of us. There you go. <laughs> May have something to do with that energy drink I just consumed. All right. So, we got a lot of fun things to talk about. And by a lot, I mean a few very notable things. Uh, but first, Alex. You always say fun things. I'm... Maybe we're looking at different things. Uh, so actually, I do have a little bit of fun here. Uh, we have an update on a previous strike we were talking about. The John Deere strike is over. Nice. Um, they reached an agreement of uh, 61 to 39. It includes an $8,500 signing bonus, 20% increase in wages over the life of the contract, and uh, 10% raise. Um, due to cost of living and three lump sum payments and changes to retirement performance benefit and performance benefits. That's actually pretty good. It was was an absolute win for the union. Absolutely. Let's keep that trend going. Um, We should continue to support uh, the people who are still striking um, specifically uh, the people from Kellogg's I know is the big strike going on right now. So they have a GoFundMe page. Um, that you should, if you have, if you are so inclined, you should help support them. Um, but that's not the trend we're going to talk about today. The trend we're going to talk about today, it's a bit of a local story. Um, and I assume that if it appears locally, it's uh, happening elsewhere. Um, so specifically, Pike Township uh, has come under fire. Um, and oh. Students, they say, and parents are calling for the superintendent's resignation. Yep. Uh, as a result of uh, staff and um, transportation shortages. So they've said that over the, the course of this semester, they have had uh, they've had to cancel class suddenly for eight, eight times on account of uh, either you know, staff shortages or um, they had to de- or had to delay as a result of uh, transportation shortages. So five times in the past, so five closures in the past three months, two delays in the past three months. And some of these delays um, are announced uh, via social media at 5.30 in the morning. Uh, oh, that's that's kind of a problem. Yep. Yeah. So uh, so they earlier this uh, earlier this month, earlier this week, they had a uh, then they had a Facebook post at 5.30 in the morning announcing that Pike High School. Uh, campus and Pike Preparatory Academy would have a remote learning day. So is that the only way they're making their announcements is through social media? Um, like they don't they don't send text messages to parents anymore or emails or anything like that? That feels incredibly problematic. My I, kids are I would hope they are. My kids aren't in Pike Township, but 
I I would hope they're sending out messages to parents. Because, bro, if if you just got to look at the Pike Facebook page, like yeah. so many people aren't ever yeah. going to see that. Yeah, yeah that's not yeah. going to work. I say I do. I say I don't know if they have sent other things. I just like so the uh this news this news story from WTHR uh just reports a Facebook post at five thirty in the morning. That's that's very difficult because it that has to have an impact on the way parents go to work or whether Absolutely. they can work or right. taking their kids to work. I mean that's a real reality, and then all of the stressors that come with that. Um, and trying to have the kids be on the computer and you're trying to do your job or whatever that is, that, that has to be tough. I'm yep. curious for the family. That's, that's like a hard finding thing. child. I say finding last minute childcare. I'm in like, Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Last minute childcare is expensive. Home. Right. Yes, it is. So what's the yep. school saying? What's the school system saying? How, what's your been, what's been their response? To- um, uh, so they are already in a dispute with their teachers union about uh about wages and they are having labor shortages uh, just like everywhere else they're having labor shortages and they can't keep bus drivers yep mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. we're seeing the same thing in washington township i just got an email a couple of days ago from washington township talking about how if you can take your kids to school they really will like you to if you can pick them up they will like you to they've had after school programs where bus transportation hasn't been provided like it normally would um my son's bus is like late like they pushed it back because you know it's like a running joke with my son where i'm like go out to your bus stop he's like dad you know it's going to be late i'm like it might be on time today so you can, you gotta go out anyway. you can right. um so i mean we're feeling it and i know they're sending us emails trying to tell parents to do everything they can but fortunately knock on wood we haven't had any cancellations cancellations yet but uh we'll see they're hiring. It, I know they're hiring in Washington Township yeah. for bus drivers. They're hiring all over the place. I think Washington Township is one of the ones that's raising their pay rates so, uh, yeah. to get more people. Yeah. Yep. So uh, according to salary.com, average bus driver salary in Indiana is between 35074 and 4,485 a year. Okay. What's that? Say Please that salary. Say that salary again. Thirty-five thousand seventy-four. Okay. Uh, on the low end to forty-four thousand eight hundred ninety-five on the high end. That's like what sixteen an hour. Yeah, that, I was about to say that's the that's a hard wage to support a family on. Um, people do it though. Um, yep. But like one person couldn't be working and make that work if you have like a house and kids and yeah, you know, or you know like astronomical rent in today's universe, which is which is everywhere also apparently in, well, in the city. Yeah. So along so along those lines, right? Um, my my wife's a school teacher, and we we got to talk, and she's one of four teachers in her building that live in her neighborhood that live in our community everyone else comes in like they mm. commute from out like from outside communities and that seems like it's a like it's a violation of like the of like the social contract for schools <clears throat> we, you want you say you want people you want the teachers um you know that teach your children to be part of your community but part of that means that you have to be able to support the people 
living in your community. Yep. You know, that's been the argument in IPS for a long, long time, you know, yep. and, 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 and so I hear you on that. And, and, and that whole community education initiative that went out years ago was supposed to help address that, including giving incentives for teachers to move into areas where they are teachers, <laughs> but that also included them sending their kids to those school systems. And many of them did not want right. to do that, which was very telling. <laughs> yes, right. When, when a teacher doesn't want to send their school to the, or when the school, so when the teacher doesn't want to send their kids to the school that they teach at, yes, yeah. that tells you a lot about the school itself that they work. Yeah, it does. Uh, well, so there, there's some, I say, I'm not going to say that. There's some personal reasons that you might not want your child to be at the same school district as you. Um, I, my, again, so my wife's mom was the special education teacher for Lebanon. And uh, what this meant was when she was in high school, if, uh, say, if she didn't do well on an assignment or, uh, or if her boyfriend at the time didn't do well on an assignment, they complained to her mom. They just, they just went to her mom and been like, you know, your, your um, daughter's boyfriend didn't do their French assignment. Yeah. Yeah, I can see not wanting to deal with that headache, actually. Yeah. That seems like a hassle. But it also seems like it'd be more isolated, you know, because it takes a certain something to kind of go about doing things. You have to imagine if they have a process for how they would address that, you know, sort of you thing. You would think. Let me hope. Let me hope that there is a process. Man, there I go thinking the better of people again, but... <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps I should just we taught defer. You nothing. I know. Right. I, I defer back to you, Alex. I apologize. I got the rosy glasses on again. We're eventually just... going to crush your naivete. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, well, while I agree with you, uh, it is troubling. Yeah. I also recognize that there are you know, a myriad of reasons for why some people might not want that. That's right. fair. Um, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But it does show, like you said, Alex, I mean, it's important to have these, ideally you want to, you want to bond between the people working in the schools and the community they serve. And you do, I mean, even with something like a bus driver, because I mean, the bus driver is a crucial linchpin of the entire operation. And I think while you can say, you know, we, we should pay these jobs, whatever people are trying to, you know, livable wages. I also think people have to realize like, this is a job the community needs to be filled for yeah. the community itself like there is a community service aspect of driving a school bus because like we need someone to do this job for all of us to thrive because if we don't look what happens our schools start closing and there's nothing we all suffer if we don't have school bus drivers and so um maybe this is all symptomatic of bigger social issues that we've left unaddressed for such a long yes. time and and the pandemic yeah. has exposed that yep sort of thing and i think that we're just really scratching the surface of what that all means because these people oh, yeah. have to we have to work somewhere when people yep. say shortage it's like people aren't falling off the planet where's the shift you know yep. where are the people going if they're not working there they're working somewhere where are they working right <laughs> you know? and these are people who i imagine last year were told to go home so they just got another job yeah because mm -hmm. right so like that's probably, I'm assuming that's what happened. They and they don't want to go through that. Job. And they exactly. don't want to go through that again, you know? Exactly. So, yeah. 
yeah. I imagine this is it's very sim- similar to the same problem we're seeing in the like restaurant sphere where everybody was like, well, you don't like working for tips? Stop working there. And so they right. stopped working at restaurants. And, and lo and behold, <laughs> no longer they people. stopped working. They like, okay, good. I'll do that. Right. right. So, yeah. so, all right. Was that, was that, is there, was there anything else you wanted to cover, Alex, or was that it? I mean, that, that was largely it. The only other thing I wanted to bring in was, so the, per the state law, teachers cannot strike. Really? And, yes. Mm-hmm. It is, hmm. uh, um, it is prohibited. Uh, it's like, it's just not protected. Um, and so if you strike, like, we'll just fire you. Which does not help the situation. It's so the same, right. it's so the same end. Right, so what's <laughs> happening is, uh, well, the teachers can't strike for better pay or anything. So they're just, well, we'll just call in, we'll just call all in call sick. in sick. Yep. What are you gonna yeah. do? Yeah. Right. No, we're not gonna put in sub requests. No, we're not going to do, we're not going to jump through whatever system that you have put in place to like to cover this. We're just going to tell you at, eh, let's say 530, we'll put a Facebook announcement (laughs) out and we'll just say we're not coming in today. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Hey, what's good for the goose? Yeah, yeah. They have figured that workaround. They have figured out that workaround. But yeah, the whole firing of them really antagonizing doesn't. That's not going to work in today's environment. Yeah. yeah. So. No, it will not. That is a that is a one-way political suicide. I will also, you know, just want to bring out that uh, it wasn't so long ago last year that, you know, teachers were heroes and everyone was proud to support their local teachers. Yep. And um, yeah. That, that, was short, that was short. That was short. How the tables have teetered. <laughs> House God days of last year. <laughs> uh, I mean, when you're standing at a societal death door, you know, that caused you to look on society in a different way. But post vaccine, we're back to, you know, villain vilifying. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I've noticed that no one's calling table. healthcare workers heroes as well anymore. Mm. <laughs> nope yeah yeah or it was just a ruse to make people feel good about going into dangerous spaces and working jobs to keep the economy going as they said uh which was all you know that's its own well i say and that that was along those similar lines right uh what what do we call what were they called essential Essential, employees yeah yeah uh which also then right but then also throws in the, throws in the caveat of, are you? But I wasn't, I wasn't an essential employer. Are you telling me that my job is unessential? You don't and, think that what I do is is vital to our economy? Like it, it cuts, but like it just alienated everyone. Right. All right. Then people wanted to be paid essentially. You know. Yep. <laughs> say so. if I say if I'm an essential employee, then why am I making peanuts? Nine dollars an hour in some cases. Yeah, okay. yeah. I was an essential. Somehow bafflingly, <laughs> you know, same about my job. I was an essential. Really? That's right. I remember you were still. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> wow. I was. Yeah. I was adjunct faculty, so I was also essential, but for an, you know, entirely different essential. reasons. There were, there were no reasons other than the fact that my company didn't die that I 
continue to maintain my employment. <laughs> but uh, since I work in IT, that's that's fairly needed in just about every sphere. So yeah. that's a boost in my opinion, but I was still definitely not a central. <laughs> so that that and that is all that I had for the trend report. So okay. we can move on. So let's talk about um, the elephant in all the rooms in social media right now. Um, this whole Rittenhouse situation. So I, I know that we put out a poll about this a little while ago, kind of when this was heating up. And uh, I know that since then things have kind of changed, but I still want to go over the original poll and talk about that just a tad before I get into the discussion that I have prepared for uh, the verdict and everything after. So hit me with that, Anthony. Yeah. So as everybody knows, our polls are on social media every Friday. Uh, we love to see uh, your responses. We love to interact with you guys if we can. So always check out our, our social media pages, check out our Facebook page every Friday and uh, see, see what we're asking you about. So the poll was from November 12th. So this was a little over a week ago. And, you know, we sort of summarized the situation briefly. And then we asked two questions. Should Rittenhouse be found innocent of shooting three people and killing two of them because he was defending himself against their attacks? Or should Rittenhouse be found guilty of shooting three people, murdering two of them because he came into a city in distress instead of fleeing it past curfew as an armed vigilante seeking to render his own form of justice? This was a really um, hot poll. The number of people who sort of viewed this one was one of the higher ones that we've had. But I'm going to highlight one response, um, which was on your, your page, uh, Josh. I'm just going to highlight the one. So uh, it was Blake who said uh, he was certain the outcome will end up with the first one, and he was scared to see where it would lead. Because if they rule in favor of him, then they endorse vigilanteism, thereby letting anyone else do anything they want as long as they are justified in the sense that they will be viewed favor favorably as an in-group. Yes, he shouldn't have been there to begin with, so can it even be argued as self-defense if he wasn't in danger until he put himself there playing amateur cop? I really just see this as fodder for the good guy with a gun argument. And makes me wonder if he would have been in danger if he wasn't equipped with an assault rifle in a powder keg situation. He then goes on to say there are a lot of interesting questions that I'm sure we're going to get into that can be posed because of this. But from my perspective, he went into a place looking for trouble. I wanted to highlight that one. I think that's a pretty common uh, view from a lot of people. I know we're going to get into our own views. But now with us having the outcome, I think we wanted to sort of discuss did we agree with the decision? But like I said, Every Friday, turn into our social media pages. Please respond, comment on our page. If we see your comments, we will regularly interact with them um, and respond. We always post our own feelings about those. So with that being said, Josh, I'm just going to turn it back over to you because I know we're going to discuss this a lot more, so I don't want yeah. to spend a lot of time with our poll. So You're good. Um, let's go. So um, I, I knew when the poll like I, I wasn't necessarily following the trial until after I saw the poll and that helped me understand like there was a whole lot more going on than I was originally anticipating because my brain said this is an open and shut case like there there should not be a lot to talk about here but apparently there was so um after doing some research and looking into the things that I wanted to look into um my original opinion about the situation was unfortunately correct. I was under the impression that given 
the nature of the situation and his age, I don't believe, I did not believe they were going to convict him. Um, and that only speaks in my mind to the broader problems we have with the justice system, because I'll tell you right now, if Rittenhouse was anything other than white, this would have been a very different case. So eh, those are my thoughts on the matter <laughs> for right now. Anyway. Do you think that it was, it's that cut and dry? Is it that he's white or he's associated with a particular political thought right now that is supported? in some circles i would say that it's technically both but i think the the whiteness takes precedence in my opinion and i only asked that because i recently found out that there were people of color in the proud boys mm -hmm. <laughs> and oh. so i i was just curious if you know if you thought if if we thought that really mattered or if it was just this hot issue about vigilantism, especially in that moment that was taking place in that part of the country. Well, I mean, not I just that it, part of the country, but. <laughs> I mean, I think it matters to, to the extent that uh, race is an underlying factor in, in, in most aspects of American life. That's just a reality of our country. Um, what I have found a little, what I have found strange about that, and again, I, I agree with you, Josh, that I think the outcome would have been different, but I'm not, I'm not sure that cuts the way people think. So if you look at, so I never thought Rittenhouse was going to be found guilty. My, from from the moment he was arrested, my stance was he's going to argue self-defense and win. Given the nature of self-defense laws in this country, I thought he had a pretty I, – I actually thought his case was very open and shut on the, the latter two, and I was only confused about where they might come down with the first one. But for the, the, the second shooting and the – the second killing and the, and the shooting where the guy wasn't killed, I, I was pretty certain where that one was going down. Him – if he had been black and found guilty, I think that would have actually been a perversion of the law, not upholding it. I think the legal rationale here was correct. And so I think if we want to be legally consistent, it would be that a black person would have been found innocent, not that a black person would, should have been found guilty. Because I think the fundamental legal rationale, given our self-defense laws, was correct. So if the law is applied correctly in all cases, you, you actually get more vigilanteism, not less. Well, see, Does that I make don't sense think, what I'm saying? I well, hear you, but I don't think it's that cut and dry necessarily in this case. I think the challenge in this particular case is that he was not walking down the street going home in his bubble of life he inserted himself with the help of adults and was armed with a war weapon and put himself in harm's way and in doing so he said he was approached by people and there's some video that might support that who made him feel threatened which often happens in harm's way. So that's like being surprised 
that somebody else brought a gun to the same thing you brought a gun to. And context was ignored. And the reason why I say context might matter is because we had a self-defense case with a situation, I forget what state it was, where there was a white man who shot and killed a black man at a convenience store, cried self-defense. But the issue there was that he created the situation in which he then felt he had to defend himself from. And so it didn't hold up. So I think you're all wrong. This case was just solved <laughs> in 2019. Which case, case, I'm sorry. So this case was resolved in 2019 when uh, Wisconsin passed their um, self-defense law. Which totally ignores context. Um, so when someone makes a self-defense case in the state of Wisconsin, um, the standard is that, um, let's say, is that they were um, that they were defending themselves. And it is on the prosecution to disprove self-defense. How does one, tell me, how does one go about legally disproving self-defense? I feared for my life, prove it. I mean, right. like that's the reasonable argument, right? But no, but Wisconsin reverses that. And it says, I feared for my life. You have to prove that I wasn't afraid. Right. The Wisconsin self-defense statute is really it's not and it's not even one of the more extreme ones this isn't like one of these crazy standards it's like i will i say and i I just will remind so i walk into a school with a semiotic rifle just you know just having it and then a bunch of people charge at me i feared for my life i had to kill them all and by the law in the state of wisconsin and other states around the country that's fine let's see that logic (laughs) <laughs> but the difference there would be it would be if it's illegal to carry a gun on school grounds that's where i'm going to i'm saying that the issue the context were that the prosecutor unsuccessfully tried to argue still matters i think there were certain things if we're honest were stacked against the prosecution in my opinion including the judge but then yes. my essay but then the <laughs> so so then the only by the law the only crime i committed was having a weapon where I shouldn't have it. The fact that 13 people are dead is irrelevant. The only thing that the only crime that you can, can that you can convict me of is I had a weapon where I shouldn't have had it. Then that like a school shooting can take place. Person can start shooting at an airport or shooting at a bus that station. Is, based that on that, based on that logic, they've created a, a powder keg for themselves. Yes. But that yes, you, would, you would lose self-defense there because you were committing an unlawful act. And the committing of the unlawful act negates your self-defense claim. Now you now you're that's, talking like me, but Alex is saying we're both wrong. That's actually that is irrelevant to the state of Wisconsin. I don't the think it is. State, I'd have to look at it. But I I, I looked at Rittenhouse. The the issue here is that even in a dangerous, in a, if a situation is hostile, mm-hmm. there's nothing stopping you from walking into a hostile situation. And the law can't be set up in such a way that it prevents an ordinary person from simply walking through a hostile situation. But intent matters. Intent matters. Like his intention wasn't that he stumbled across a situation. He came there specifically, as he said, to help protect gun in hand, 
make I'm trying to make the clicking sound of the yeah. gun. <laughs> he came there with a group of adults. I don't know. Listen, I would not send my 17-year-old son with an AK anything. So that's not the type of party I drop my kid off for. Okay. But she didn't. This was well, how did he get there? This was the thing that was told from the beginning that was not true. Then how like, did he I, get there? He drove himself. And his mom was okay with that. Mom, I'm going to so, borrow so the car. Came out, to... This came out through like testimony that his mom had been like working and he had been driving himself there because he had a part time job in a community right outside of Kenosha. So he had been driving himself back and forth. So she, this whole, she drove him across state yes. lines. With a gun. That never happened. That was actually in several news stories. The gun was yes. in Wisconsin the whole time. The gun yep. was never in Illinois. It was at a friend's house in Wisconsin who had made a straw man purchase on behalf of Rittenhouse. Now, that friend is actually facing charges now for providing a minor with a weapon. This whole thing is just been, messy. So, so this is what I'm saying. Some of the stuff that came out early on was just a lie and for some reason. And look, it's, I'm not one of these damn the media people. But for some reason, a lot of people in the media kept running with narratives that had been proven demonstrably false. And they just well, kept this is one they're part of the doing it. There's Jerry one, Nadler is, did it just like yesterday. Jerry Nadler in Congress continued with this narrative that like his mom drove him with like that's not what happened. This is what I'm saying, but this is what came out. This is one thing Fox and CNN and all the news organizations actually had consistent across the board. Yes. Yeah. This whole mom that mom was involved. Now mom's not involved. Is he trying to get his mom off the hook? I don't know. I mean if one story can be told, another story can be told. But one thing is for sure this 17 year old child was somewhere with this huge gun that where he should not have been. And in some states, people hold parents accountable for that. And, yes. and that's fine. But Wisconsin isn't one of them. Nope. <laughs> and no. They just let their kids run wild. Well, and, the guns saying, and, and the other to say, and the other, the, uh, the other thing that the, sorry, uh, first and foremost, I need to say, we props off to the MVP of the defense, the prosecuting, the DA. You did an excellent job setting up their defense great work um, <laughs> um so this you is, made me so choke just, on my team so like the da's case was that was kind of the argument you're making francine that he inserted himself in a danger like in a dangerous situation and that he because he had like he was viewed as a like he made himself a threat he provoked the other, like the other people, and then let's say, and then uh, like that, like, and then he, then he shot and killed the first person, and then the other two, like the other people, then try and say, uh, try say tried to apprehend him, and I feared for my life. So, and he came at me with a skateboard, which is a lethal weapon. So, but what I if they were doing? Him. What if they were doing the exact same thing he was trying to do and trying to protect? Him? And but, by, do you know and what this rings with? As a note, legally, yeah, no, exactly. Mm-hmm. You couldn't charge any of them. Uh, you couldn't no. get it. You couldn't this charge is... a single one of them. Because, because the guy who was shot was saying he was trying to, to do just that. You have to, because you have to, you say you have to, whoever, whatever, whoever you're charging, you have to prove that they weren't afraid. Yes. This rings so... of Trayvon Martin to me, that whole vigilante. He chased the guy down and now he's afraid. I don't, I just... So this one is really like a Wild West situation. I think, Alex, you and I talked before in that um, whoever had survived would have claimed self-defense and won. Yep. 
whoever let's say whoever lived so it came down to who had the bigger gun and the quicker trigger yep because the survivor would have claimed self-defense and won no matter what yes which is not satisfying no but um (laughs) i did want to circle back and say like when the judge read the jury um it does say like a person who engages un- unlawful conduct is not allowed to use or threaten force as self-defense. So with your example, Alex, like it is unlawful to carry a gun to a school. You do not get to claim self-defense after that because you are, it is unlawful what you did. The problem is that because of Wisconsin's also crazy gun statute, they weren't actually able to find bringing the gun to be unlawful. Um, so that's why the judge it. had that part, that part tossed out. So I could bring the gun onto school property, and then it wasn't unlawful, right? So so, so or or say or may say or I could sit outside of school property and it yeah. would be fine. Yeah, whatever. And my, the and my scenario is. still holds true. Just yeah, if it's a hundred yards a outside of school, you could stand at yard one hundred and one with uh-huh. a gun, and it would be. And I feared I, for my life. Again, I'm not arguing any of this isn't ridiculous. It, it plainly is ridiculous, but I think it's worth understanding, like, the Wisconsin laws, the gun laws, and their self-defense laws set up this entire situation where because he wasn't found to be doing anything illegal by being there or having the gun, you, you they struggle to argue that he was provoking somebody, right? I mean, when we talked yesterday, Alex, I gave an example of a court case. This is like, and this is actually a Supreme Court case. From, like, they found it twice now, the most recent one uh, within the last 20 years, where a burning cross does not constitute uh, a, a provocation under the law. So you, you could burn a cross on somebody's yard, and it was found this does not constitute uh, a provoking. So and I can say and I can say and I responded to this. Well, what if you feel threatened? What if you feel threatened? In well, Wisconsin. that was Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas was the lone full descent, and that was his response, which is uh, burning crosses are represent terrorism, and any black person would would reasonably see a burning cross as uh, provoking. But that is where the law is, and Alex responded with, like, what if someone with a swastika went through a Jewish community? They found that's not a provoking, too, in the 70s. They had actually found that exact scenario is also so you, you could wear German regalia with a swastika and walk through a Jewish community, and that does not meet the standard of provoking, inciting speech. So there's none. They couldn't find Rittenhouse provoked anybody. That, that that's just not where the law is. It, now maybe it should change. Oh. <laughs> now if it now it's, should it change? Have... I am I, I, yes. Much of this should change, but where it is right now. So, so and, and that's not for a say, and that's not for a jury to decide. The jury right. doesn't get to decide what they think should happen. The jury right. just gets to decide per laws as written, like was there a crime committed? Right. And if you have an issue with the law, then you 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 talk to your representative and you try to get it changed. So here's here's my thing. Um I, I think we all very clearly know where I stand on, on a situation as a whole, but I, what I want to do is talk about like what happens from here. Um, a lot of the, the buzz that I've seen in my own conversations with people on social media and in a lot of the articles is regarding comparing this self-defense argument to the self-defense arguments of the past and what has happened 
in those scenarios. So my question to you guys is, um, given that in effectively all of these situations, we're using the self-defense argument, do you think this particular verdict will have lasting ramifications on the self-defense argument in the future, either involving firearms or protests? Um, lasting ramifications. So yes, I think it will. Um, we are, we have seen just this incredible widening of what self-defense means. The scope of self-defense has just exploded, right? This is another example of that. Now that we have taken this, these baby steps down the path, we're now just expanding what self-defense means because in a world where the other person could have a gun, you have an almost limitless right to shoot them. And that is the that is a necessity I don't agree a country. With... No, I'm not saying you should. Yeah. No, what I was I'm about not... to say, I think that applies only to certain people. I think that's what we get back to. So for, yes, I think that's likely the case, though it's look we're saying vigilantism all over the country most crime is inter-race shooting so like we actually don't see a lot of cases where like black people shoot white people and then claim self-defense because of the nature of shootings and crime like that's just not just like most white people are shot by white people most mm -hmm. black people are shot by black people. You actually don't see a ton of like cross race shooting. So, and when it does happen, it's normally not quite like this. So I think you're right that if it's a black person shooting a white person, I think you get a different result. But because that is actually a, a, a kind of rare occurrence, I don't want to say one way or another. I don't know if there's definitive proof, though I suspect you're right. I, I'm aware of the race stuff in this country i suspect you're right um but this is something alex we had talked about might as well say it here now um you are going to, you should we've seen this over the last couple of years this is not something people should want but it is something we have seen happen we are seeing black people arm themselves now to greater numbers than we it seems there's some black people who are going back to like the days of the Black Panthers, which is that black people have to arm up. And I think you will see more of that in response to this because if the message is that uh, the only thing that everyone matters gets to shoot wins. anyone, right? <laughs> that is a message you're sending. That is not what people should want because we don't need more people being buying guns in this country. We need less people buying guns in this country. That is not the message we got today. The message we got today is. Um, if they have a gun, then I need a gun. And as long as I kill them first, I can say I was afraid. I think the message we got here today is that vigilantism is alive and well, and it is willfully applied to uh, against my enemies and for my friends. <laughs> and the current political environment makes that a very dangerous thing. There is no balance, especially when we can all sit here and say that we can see stark differences when it when it's 
uh, when the when the race card is different. In this case, it was a, a white child killing uh, two white men and shooting a third white man who were protesting a social justice protest against um, what happened to, was it Blake? Yeah. Uh, the, the shooting that happened. And they were out like with a lot of other people who were out. And I think at all, some people were left over past curfew, um, including the 17 year old child or he, a man with a gun, whatever some people, and uh, people, bad things happen when you're out with a gun at night. And any law that protects that is a law that needs to be reviewed heavily. And I'm not one of those people that thinks that laws are religious in this country and that they're always right, because we've had to change too many of them for me to even have a voice. So um, it's not enough to say this is a law in Wisconsin. It's more for me to say that if this is how the law plays out, then these laws need to change. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and that's where I'm at. I mean, I, if I haven't made this clear by now, I'll make it like explicit. I think the decision is legally correct and profoundly immoral. I think it is an unjust, socially detrimental decision that is legally correct. Legally the fact correct that those, and profoundly immoral. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that that is that. that uh, so I agree with you, Francine. These like the, our self-defense laws need a radical rethinking of of the boundaries and limits of self-defense. Like it has to be reined in a lot to the point where people are going to be really like, I, this is neither the time nor place probably for me to, to say it. So I, the part where I would be comfortable reining self-defense back to is probably well beyond what most people would expect. But um, I think we need to draw it back a lot, a, a whole hell of a lot. We have gone far. So I agree with you. Uh, if the gun laws are this permissive, they need to be overhauled and tossed in the trash. And if self-defense laws are this permissive, they need to be tossed in the trash too. Um, so, but what were you, so Alex, what were you saying though? Mm, I'll say, you I, I hope you're, you're, I'm going to pivot a little bit and I hope you're okay with this, Josh. Yep. Go ahead. Um, so I actually want to point this at, uh, so that this was allowed to happen at okay sorry rewind so we all were really upset about the way that protesters were treated during the uh blm protests and i think we would be remiss to not like to not recognize that this is the kind of thing that the police were uh, foresaw and were trying to prevent we can discuss whether their methods were appropriate but I think, as I say, but I do, I think, correctly recognize that they recognize that this is what happens when um, tempers fly, uh, flare and people confront each other in a nation with more guns than people. And, <sighs> and it's unfair that all of this falls on the police. And it's unfair that they are con that they're in a lose-lose situation. Uh, and it's unfair that no administer say that, uh, like we, we basically leave them to police their own. Mm. Um, and it's unfair that they don't want to, 
This is a tough one, Alex, because people were basically protesting against the police and police actions. So you are you, <laughs> you correct. And, and, yeah. and so and as, as we have seen on the not video, that I'm disagreeing with you at all. As, but as, is, as we saw on the video, the police definitely took the side of Rittenhouse. Mm -hmm. They definitely escorted him out. Um, uh, which isn't I, I, which isn't great. Um, and as you as you observe, like the police were the people who like who initially started this. Um, and if you don't want this type of wild west, the only thing that matters is who walks away to tell the story about it. Um, we have to police have to be better. They have to be better and. Maybe what you're beating around the bush, I think, understandably, <laughs> is that they have to stop it at the source and they have to stop it quick. Like, yeah. and that sometimes involves interactions that we don't like. And it sometimes involves interactions that don't look good. And we sort of have to keep in mind that what is on the other side of this not being stopped is vigilanteism. That, like, either the state, either the government enforces the rules. Or there are no rules. We people can't enforce the rules. This is not a thing we can do on our own. We do not have the capacity or the capability to do so. I mean, so you get into this weird people, you know, are you blaming the victim? That's not what I'm doing. But I think it is illustrative to lay out the full scenario. The first shooting occurred while a group of people was like destroying or throwing things at a car dealership. Now, how much you value a car dealership is up to you. Some people say very little. If you own the car dealership and it's your income, you probably value it quite a bit. So should the police in the midst of like 80% of these people are protesting, 10% of them are rioting, but are like, kids riding who aren't really probably doing much but then you have like some percentage of people who are like i don't know man i need the cops to stop them like they're the sort of rioters who are outside troublemakers and shit stirrers from other communities who have no stakes in jacob blake being shot at all and i actually need the cops to stop those people now can they neatly differentiate the answer is no because these people are all there together there's no clean cut way to like stop the protesters who are merely holding signs and demanding justice while you know to leave them alone while like 10 feet away there's a person with like a Molotov cocktail there we, we can't but like if we let that 10% or whatever go unchecked eventually somebody's going to show up to stop them well I have a question the car we keep talking about this car dealership yeah. Did this car dealership owner ask these people to come and protect his business? I mean, what's his, what's the connection? Did he hire personal security that included a child? Uh, what what I don't understand how I think he did, probably did. I don't know where this idea came from. Why this dealership became sacred to Kyle Rittenhouse and the group that he was a part of. What what's the connection? Do you have to be asked? to if it's something in your community do you have to be asked well there you go it? again your community was that his community uh and say he works just outside of 
uh, outside of the, outside the, of the city. The di- I will, his, so, right, and his dad. I, say, I live. I say I live in Lebanon, but I work downtown. Are, like, do okay. I not get to claim like? Like that, I like I am a I am a part of the community. That's a that's a legitimate question, but it still begs the question: what's what's the connection? Like, I can understand your connection, Alex, yeah. with IUPUI, but I don't understand your connection with the taco shop ten blocks away. Like, yeah. what's sacred about I, that connection with this truck? Did he work at the car dealership? Tacos, Francine. <laughs> Now, look, I think you're asking the right question, Francine. I don't think we have some clear-cut answer. On I just don't feel like this story is finished. But I will I, also, I, okay. It's not. The question you're asking is one I think, Alex, you and I kicked it around. Because I pointed out, we had this narrative, he crossed state lines, which makes it sound like he went on some epic odyssey-like journey. The distance from where he lived to Kenosha. is like, what, it 15 would take minutes? Me, yes. It would take me longer to drive to the west side of, the, of Indy from where I am right now in my house. I know because I make this drive for my job. So it would take me longer to get to my own parts of my own city than it took him to go from his home in Illinois to Kenosha. So the state lines thing sort of blurs that this this actually is a geographically, this is a part of his broad community in the sense that we currently understand community. Now, should we rethink that? Maybe. Maybe your community should be more limited to your block or the, the, the three or four blocks around you. Well, it, there is a legal premise to this, right? Because there are some crimes where you can cross state lines and all the states can be then involved in some sort of case for yeah. certain sorts of crimes. So, I mean, community kind of does, there is a legal premise as to what that but might be. And if Alex is... If Alex is protesting, if Alex wants to attend a Black Lives Matter protest, is he a part of the indie community? Am well, I if he not? attends a protest and he does not create any harm, physical or otherwise, yeah. to anyone, then people will still talk about, we talk about carpetbaggers. Come on, it's right. all a part of our exactly. history. But my, my point is, yeah, he can do that. And some people will say, hey, why are you even here? You're not even from here. You're starting trouble in a place where you don't belong. They said it to MLK, they say it to everyone. It's just a part of the mantra, but it changes when you bring a gun. It changes and it makes you rethink community. It's a really, vigilantism doesn't work out for Americans. Okay, we have pictures of people swinging from trees over what we like to call vigilantism or good street, good old street justice. We have arbory still. I mean, this thing is is uh, I don't see why it's like the buildings on fire and everybody's saying, but it's okay if this one burns because the law protects it. (laughs) The law protects the fire, not the building. Yes. And that's the problem that I'm having. I'm literally protesting, not necessarily against what you guys are saying. What you're saying is a reflection of what, what is, but I'm saying that's that's where things need to change. I'm and, not here to protect the fire. As, and, and again, uh, as like Anthony said, absolutely agree with your position. We are just also explaining, we're trying to help make sense of what happened and why. And of where it needs to where it needs to go. I mean, I think. What if there is no way to make sense of this? Uh, I mean, you I, can make. I mean, I, especially I, when it comes to the, especially when it comes to the, whoever gets to cover themselves with self defense. Because I do yeah. agree with that. One of you guys did say that earlier. Whoever lives gets to claim self defense. Yeah. 
Yeah, I can certainly see that, not just in this case, but in a lot of other cases, actually. You Um, have landed at my position of uh, there is no adequate way to explain this, and it is merely chaos from here on forward. That is my actual noble position. Um, It sets a dangerous precedent. Our law allows complete chaos. The combination of a First Amendment that allows you to do things like burn crosses and say you weren't provoked by the burning cross. Well, that seems like bullshit. The Second Amendment that allows you to possess uh, AR-style rifles on the claim that, like in Wisconsin, the barrel wasn't short enough to be outlawed. Well, that seems plainly stupid. Combined with an expansive self-defense that allows you to say, I felt scared. So I was, I, and so I, I, felt, I say, I felt scared. And so I used yeah. the only force that I had available to me, lethal. Yeah. So those combination, I can go wherever I want. Okay. Say whatever I want, bring a gun when I do it, and then shoot you when you got pissed off at me. I mean, hey guys, it's chaos, period. You, what you have is a chaotic legal system that, that's what you have at this point. So, which is which I will note is the lack of a legal system. Yes, mm. correct. And I I think when when we're examining this, I think that's the the thing that really needs to be like said. Um, in you guys' defense, I know that you've done you you've I think you've done a, a pretty a pretty good job of trying to explain what the law is. But I think it's also important to note that we don't agree with the law. We're just trying to make sure people understand why Rittenhouse was acquitted. Not necessarily that we agree with it, because I'm pretty sure I can say this for everybody on this call at the very least, that none of us actually wanted to see that happen. However, we understand, may not respect, but understand that it did. Now, I, I do have to say one thing. I don't agree with people going out damaging people's property. I don't agree with this other side. You have people show up at every protest who I think some of them are taking advantage of the vehicle. Yes. Right. They're riding along and they're doing what they want to do. Some of them are showing up just for looting opportunities. Just, I don't understand all that. I think it takes away from the point that people are trying to make when they come together to share a vision on how they want this country to change. Right. Yep. Um, and then it puts us in spaces like this where we're all distracted, frustrated, and trying to figure out how to get out of this ditch. Yep. You know, so I, I, I don't agree with any of that, but I also don't think that those lives should have, I mean, it was worth all of that. Now, there did look like there was at least one of those situations where someone did try to attack Rittenhouse. I don't know who was who in the video I saw. Yeah. The second shooting, there was actually a third one where he missed the guy at point blank range. The guy jumped over him. He tried to mm-hmm. kick him. The whole thing was chaos. Yeah. Um, I will, my final thought is I think what we're trying to do here, I wanted to do something that I think was done very well this entire time by too many people who frankly get paid to do this way more money than we all get paid to do this, which was a realistic set of expectations. There was a lot of gaslighting in the media. There was a lot of confirming to their audience what was going to happen, where if you were looking at the facts of the case, there were a lot of smart lawyers going, this is what's going to happen, and you need to stop telling your audience that it's not, that this will, he's going to be found guilty. He's probably not. Tell your audience the truth. Don't continue repeating this crazy lie about his mom. Do you have proof for this? No. Then why are you running with it? 
Do you have, if he bought the gun across state lines? No. Then why are you saying this? Lay out the facts for your audience, give them a set of expectations, and then, crucially, tell them what to do if they want to change the law. You don't like the fact that this is the likely outcome? Go to your local legislators and change the law. Yes. But you have to set expectations for people that are reasonable and realistic. That is very sound. Amen. Yeah. Very sound. Very and sound. I think that that's a, that's a great notion to wrap up on because I feel like we all agree on that. So with that being said, this podcast was brought to you in part by Elyag Productions, a studio for podcasters and musicians, and of course, Podcast News. To listen to any of our other podcasts, please go visit our website at podcast.news, or you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to like and follow us on Facebook page for more part- particles, for more podcasts and articles, along with those uh, those polls that we just talked about today. Uh, thank you guys for joining me. Thank you all at home for listening, and we will see you next time. Josh out. Hey, he did it.